0: Well hello my friend, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I was um, contemplating the idea of having a heart-to-heart with my screen reader because by 11-12 years back I was introduced to um, Apple's version of assistive technology on their phone, on their Macs and they've been at it and they've had it for years on their devices um, because when I was in college we used to have JAWS which was I think job acts uh, access with script I think that's one of those uh, kind of go-to screen reader text-to-speech converting software I think NVDA is another one if you're in the world of assistive technology you're pretty familiar with these names these acronyms and these technology uh, sort of companies but the way Apple's done it is fantastic. And, you know, the reason I bring it up is someone told me about ChatGPT and how it's remarkable in some ways and how it making people's lives really easy when, um, you know, comes to edits and it comes to putting together descriptions, job descriptions, titles, and uh, taglines. Kind of one of those tools which kind of takes everything out there and arrives at a conclusion and a solution that seems Miraculous. And I I find it pretty cool. I was talking to a friend yesterday and he was um, uh, looking... We were just having a conversation on how he's looking to find someone for a job position. And he said, I'm going to enter these things that I need in the job description into ChatGPT. And he read out the result and it was fucking fantastic. Um, Because I think that's something that's missing when it comes to uh, consistency in... Especially in some aspects in some jobs right like i hate putting together these tedious kind of tasks right where you have to you have to put the right tags you have to put the right description you have to put the and and spellings are not my strengths um strengths exactly or neither is grammar (laughs) but these kind of things i think are really really good to be handled by something like that tool and um, i don't know if you've used it let me know what your thoughts are because i think it's something which is smart and where was this tool when I needed my undergraduate paper to be put together because I use Google and clearly that's not the best source because there's something called um, citing references which you might have heard of but uh, anyhow I'm interested to find out how people use it and also abuse it because I'm always excited about human beings and how the few who create for the benefit of the rest can always be misled by the few who uh take a technology and kind of run with it but anyway speaking of the few uh, I, I i don't know i've been really confused with this andrew tate character because is he a messiah for the lonely man uh for the for, for the boy who's lost for the for the masculine that needs a, an alpha or is he just um this guy who's soaking in all the attention because see if you if you kind of look at it um, with with just the two names i mean of course the many names in the media being thrown around but um, if you kind of want to juxtapose that's a lovely word to people who can't be more opposite in their uh, public persona at least in their messaging you have one hand you have my best friend of course prince uh, harry potter uh, Hariba boy, and the other side have Andrew Tate. So now, of course, I'm uh, just going to say what I'm going to say because I'm not in any camp. Um, so the thing is, of course, I, I haven't followed uh, Andrew Tate on TikTok, wherever he's made his footprint, uh, and wherever he's made his kind of reach so large. But he clearly has a thing to boys who seem to be completely. Um, lost when it comes to what it means to be boys or men because there's this constant accusation of it's it's the man's fault it's the patriarchy it's all these things where you uh, either succumb to what women want or girls want you to be or at least their version of what they want you to be or you have absolutely no say or you have no right to kind of fit in uh in 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 a sort of in, in a in a construct of their making i mean i'm just saying this is what it seems like um and he's basically saying fuck that uh maybe a little aggressive i don't know whether it's aggressive or not it's just that he seems to say the things and i'm trying to think if i was 13 or 16 or 19 and uh living in a time like this would an andrew tate be the person i would kind of be drawn to um because I've always had like, you know, uh, women kind of supporting me uh, through my through my life. I mean, I've had my mom is strong, my, my um, you know, a lot of women in my family are strong and and that doesn't make them kind of male-hating feminists, if that's the word you want to use, but it's kind of a weird balance of how, yeah, it, there, there is this strength of character and the strength of an individual, um, but... I don't know, none of this thing of man-woman was um, discussed elaborately growing up. So I, I'm interested to just kind of contemplate if, if someone like this, because he's got the right, if you are that kind of boy, attracted to like the the, the, the fast life, right? And yeah, sadly, the, the messaging from what I've heard uh, is, it's, it's a bit extreme when it comes to, it's a very black and white kind of thing. It's kind of like, oh, they say this, so I'm going to say this because that's what's needed. And I feel that's that's what happens when it's so wide apart, right? The, 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 the communication gap and the messages are so wide apart that you have to say something as a reaction to the thing that's happening. And yeah, like if you look at the other end, you have Harry or Prince Harry or whatever, uh, Duke the Duchess or the Duke of Sussex or whatever he's called who's just kind of embodying this man that so-called women I wouldn't say all women but so-called women really celebrate right like the 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 guy who's the who's I wouldn't even say in touch with his feelings but who's I wouldn't even say a person who's vulnerable but a person who's kind of overdoing it uh, according to me right like um, because I'll tell you from my personal experience, when you work from a premise where you kind of look at the world and say, I don't have compared to someone else, it's just not good for you. Fuck everyone else because you kind of just go down this rabbit hole where you keep swallowing your own kind of story and making it more and more larger than life where you feel you're the victim at every stage and that for more than anyone is just really really not good for you and for your own peace of mind because you're always working from a premise where you're not good enough compared to someone else or you haven't had enough compared to someone else or things haven't happened the way they're supposed to compare to someone else so just from a personal point of view being or having been in that position i think is a pretty shit place to be and and it's being celebrated and it's being it's being echoed across platforms. It's it's being rewarded by various deals on Netflix, book deals. And then what happens is kind of kind of when one thing's exhausted, one aspect of your uh, life, which you kind of highlighted as where you played the victim or saying I wasn't good enough when someone else kind of manipulated me and stamped on me and moved ahead. When that's exhausted, you find the next thing. So you kind of just keep going deeper and deeper into this kind of dark space where you're to find every injustice. If not existing, then you make up one to feel that you were wronged in that situation. And I'll tell you the biggest, the scariest thing that can happen for an individual in that space is that you feel really good at that moment. Like, oh, everyone's out to support you but you're kind of then just kind of chipping away at your own integrity and your strength and finally you look at yourself and you're just a shadow of who you were and you've exhausted every perceived or actual injustice and instead of working on it and looking at what you do have and working on those strengths, you kind of just become a shell of what you were and then what are you going to turn to? because you've exhausted everything that you can and where are those people who celebrated and came running going oh you poor thing they moved on to someone else because that's what people want to do they don't want to look within and they don't want to look at the strengths they have but it's easy to make someone feel they that they are weak and they can be brought out of this misery because we have saviors we have people who think that they are the the martyrs and it just doesn't serve you um as an individual because if you can work on your strengths then you kind of identify that and you give courage to people and you kind of come together for the right reasons and you get a sense of belonging not when it comes to oh you know what i'm going to hold your hand you weak little thing and i'm going to pat you in the back and then go to the next person go to the next person i just feel it creates a very very dangerous cycle and i'm not for or against either of these characters i'm just saying i've been in the place where you kind of look at the world going, oh, I can't do what he does. I couldn't be who this person is. And it just sounds like that's what this guy is kind of parroting and whatever the word is, spouting in in every kind of verse of his message, right? Whether it's on interviews, whether it's in the book. And yes, I could be completely wrong. I've read excerpts from the book which have been posted. I've um, heard snippets of his interview. I could be misinformed, but I'm just saying this kind of message uh, isn't really healthy for man or woman, boy or girl, for adult or child. Because it's just working from a place that tells you that you don't have the strength to look at yourself and work on what you can be. It's telling you, be um, someone who's constantly looking at what they don't have and needs others to get them out of this or support or celebrate them because of what they don't have and identify with that. And I don't think that's a good place to be. So I don't know. I just feel it's too divided when it comes to either position, whether it's Andrew Tate or uh, Harry. Uh, I think you just need to understand that When you do come together it's not to kind of point a finger or fingers at others saying it's their fault that's why we are like this but i think when you come together it's to recognize each other's humanity integrity and strength and say what can we do to kind of make the human experience more fulfilling and enrich our experience on this planet and i don't think too much of that is happening but who am i just someone rambling on about it uh but hey anyway but clearly there are people who can 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 kind of lead by example who can set a good tone who can can lead people out of certain things and most impo- importantly can give people a sense of how to empower themselves as opposed to oppress them and these are of course traits that we look at in leaders and uh, um my guest on today's episode is Axel He he's a very interesting person because he went through a series of bad bosses in his career and instead of just saying I quit and I'm going to do something on my own, he understood what it means to be a good leader and more importantly how there are certain situations that leaders who think they're ready for the job aren't really ready because they might have the right kind of, um, well, the right kind of signs for a good leader. They might have the right education, the right kind of experience, but they are not really prepared to do the things that good leaders are supposed to or meant to do in situations which aren't always easy. So, on today's episode, I talked to Axel about the various kinds of traits, the various kinds of experiences he's had, and the various kinds of reasons why people want to lead and why some people can follow, and some people are just made to be good leaders, and some people just need to follow. Um, it was a lovely conversation. And of course, if you're in the space of business or I think this applies to beyond that as well if you just someone wants to understand the the, the, the nature of what it, it means to lead and kind of take uh, decisions and also to kind of go down a path and kind of bring people along with you for the right reasons and do it in the right, and motivate them in the right way. This conversation is for you. So... Axel, if you're listening, I appreciate you doing this podcast with me. And for all of you listening, I appreciate you as always, my dearest friend. Till um, next time. Goodbye. God bless. Take care of yourselves. Enjoy the conversation on the other side. Cheers. Axel Sign, welcome to the podcast. Lovely having you on. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. But well, I think I got the, the German pronunciation of your last name, close to all right. <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> Lovely, so I'm so uh, glad you could join me and you agreed to do this. Um, what I find interesting is that we live in a world where everyone wants to um, have power. We have everyone uh, given the sense of hope all this this little inkling of a horizon where they're like, you know, you can be the boss. And many times we hear of stories from people who haven't achieved that or people who are also um, in the masses or the majority. But we, of rarely do we hear about people who have met bad bosses or bad leaders and gone, you know what, I'm going to change the narrative. But you are clearly someone who got into that space. So, what I'd like to start with is, um, what is the human need to lead and what is the human trait to follow? Uh-huh. That's a tough one. Actually, I'm not a psychology <laughs> expert. but Now, from whatever I, you've experienced, I think you have experienced a lot of yeah. this
1: mindset, I- right? I think there's not one single answer to to this question because there are different motivators behind, you know, the will to lead. Mm
0: -hmm. Some
1: some people do that because they want to have power over others, which could be a good, you know, they're good dictators and bad dictators. Let's be honest about it. Dictatorship has this tag to it. It's bad. Mm. But there are good dictators. Mm. Um, So, you know, one trait would be I want to have power. And of course, it means I have power over other people's lives ultimately. Yeah. the other thing I want to move things. I want to achieve something. Mm. So it's probably the 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 drive of you know, getting better um, having some realizations in your life that y- you've done this and that. Um, I think the American culture is very, drawn to this you you know you show off with your Ferrari or whatever car you have yeah um Germany is quite the opposite so if you have money to buy a Ferrari you'd rather not Mm. because there's the envy (laughs) right um but there are there are different factors um to do that and ultimately I don't think it's so much the dependent on what what drives you to to be a leader it's probably much more your hmm, let's say your ability to see your mistakes and correct them, which is tough, let's be honest, because mm. we don't like to see when when we've failed, and everybody eventually fails at something. Um this is just human nature. Um, so I think the what really makes a good leader is the ability, of course, the drive. You have to have that drive, um, regardless from, from where it's coming from. But also, you have to have this ability to look in the mirror mirror and say, man,
0: I screwed up royally. <laughs> you know? uh, so There's some sense of accountability and humility, right? Because you can't really absolutely. say those things to yourself if you're living in a bubble of self-created power going, I'm the best, or this narcissistic point of view where, and yeah, so sorry, just wanted to understand that because maybe while we're here, maybe there are external motivations where people say, you must become a leader, you must become a CEO, you must become a senior manager. But there's the internal drive, which most people don't have, but they have the external um need to fulfill those positions because what those positions involve and what they bring to the table right when you say a ferrari or maybe a bigger home or a bigger pay package but mm. how, clearly not everyone's cut out to be a leader because we've, we've we i'm sure you've come across many people who say they yeah. want to do these things or want to become these things but don't have the grit or the humility to do it so how do you as a person like how did you how, i mean how you know there's a corporate world there's a non corporate world right there are entrepreneurs who are self made leaders but then there are the corporate uh, the corporate environment where you are appointed to be a leader by someone else who's supposedly sees the leadership qualities in you right so where does that 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 shift happen
1: i think it's interconnected honestly because who you are as a private person is who you bring at work mm. so you know it's not like you leave yourself out the door Hopefully, you don't do that, because <laughs> if you do that, you're in the wrong spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, this probably goes back to your question, you know, why do some people become leaders and some people don't? Um, I think the nasty truth is you have to realize, and and before you're in the job, usually people don't realize, them, at least I didn't, mm. um, when you are leading people it's really not so much about what you're doing so it's mm. much more about what they are doing enable because you know if your team does a great job it reflects on you mm. if if you do a, a good job but you you're you're a bad boss in the sense that you're not enabling your team you're not looking after them the team's performance is going to be bad and ultimately you being responsible of for for the output of the team yeah. are not going to deliver good results and this is this is really the first mind shift you know you think of ah, i'm going to be a ceo and you think of the ferraris and they uh ah, the the best thing to approach it is think of all the people who are dependent on on you and on you um removing obstacles helping them to do a better job uh and i'm i'm not saying helping them in the sense that Um, you do their job. Mm. But you need to look closely, you know, what's hindering that person to to give better results? Uh, Could be a process, could be a tool, could be an ability that they should have in that spot, but they don't. They're lacking. They could learn it if they want to. You can learn just about everything if you really want to. Um, But maybe they don't. So they're in the wrong spot which you know is then again coming back to the fact that it's not about you it's about them and your job as a manager is to upgrade just about everything in in the team that that you're responsible for upgrade the people you know make them better uh upgrade the tools upgrade the processes and then there's the downside because upgrading sometimes means letting go Mm. this is you know (laughs) This is the flip side of the Ferrari, <laughs> right?
0: This is the. Yeah, Are you prepared is... to
1: let someone go? You know, do you know how to do it with decency? Because we
0: don't really learn that in school, right. not yeah. in uni. No, I want to. Before we get to that side, I yeah. think that's very important because that's not something people want to talk about, and something they want to brush under the carpet because not there's a yeah. dignified uh, approach to it, but you mentioned this idea of power right so that's why some people become leaders Mm -hmm. it's power over others but from what you just said it there's a sense of when you um it's about not what you do but it's about how you uh, run a team or run a company there's this idea that a ceo is powerful or a boss or a leader is powerful, but to actually be an effective leader, it's almost like they have to delegate, which is giving up power to empower the team, which as a result makes the team perform better and gives the leader the sense of why they're a leader. Does that make any sense at all? Because it's almost like to get more powerful, you have to give up some of the power and empower others.
1: It does. Um, But honestly, it only makes sense if you have the right people in your team because if you give power to someone to make decisions which they're not able to take mm. in, in a reasonable way you're giving power to the wrong person and probably you're putting a person on the spot <laughs> right uh, and a huge weight on their shoulder which they you know might be willing to carry but they can't and mm. this is you know sometimes you just learn i've done this mistake too um and naming people managers where I thought, you know, they would develop. And honestly, if you put somebody on the job, usually uh, it's there's this saying, um, hiring is guessing firing is knowing. Mm. Mm. And when you put someone on the job, you hope for things because you see things and you hope that these things are going to develop the way you hope. Mm. and, Mm you know, the best thing you can do is to have a common understanding with the person and make something like a roadmap Mm. with milestones. Uh, So, you know, things are pretty clear, but this really, this is effort. This is sitting down and thinking about it and sitting down with that person and thinking about it. You're putting effort uh, into someone else's life. And if you want to be a manager, you know, this is the not so flashy side of the Ferrari. Some of your effort... At least fifty percent of your effort goes into other people's lives, trying to you know put them get them on the right track, um, bringing them to see things the way they probably don't um, and this is is like with kids in a way, because you know if you're a parent, you're automatically attached to your son or your daughter, mm. and you know giving them a part of your life somehow comes naturally, yeah. With employees, it's not so natural, but really it's, you should do it as the boss. (laughs) That's, Mm.
0: power comes packed with responsibility. So in that context, let's use an example, which everyone is, depending on which side of the coin you are looking at, is either up in arms about or is raving about, which is of course, Mr. Elon Musk and what he's done with Twitter. And Mm -hmm. um, I don't, you know in, in any sense of the word pretend to understand business or takeovers or any of that world but i want to understand what he uh using the using the example of twitter some of the concepts that have been intriguing me you know for instance how we constantly tell someone or someone is told or someone is led to believe that they have to constantly improve in a in a job they have to mm-hmm. get more skills they ha- then they get more responsibilities then they go into a higher pay grade or a higher responsible role role with more responsibility and that's the corporate ladder as we are made to believe right but Mm -hmm. uh, then you have the other side which is the leader coming in saying you know what there are seven thousand of you and frankly speaking it's bleeding the company half of you don't need to be here because the other half can take the load and they can do the job right i'm just Mm -hmm. giving a very rough outline of what uh, as a layman I perceive the Twitter thing to be and then you have all these external um, pundits if you want to call them who are like no what Elon Musk is doing is brutal uh, yeah. and everyone picking holes with his plan and then someone say he did great with Tesla but he's butchered it over here so what is the environment we're living in where also of course now those employees. Uh, in some case, like Facebook, have leaked how bad the company is, the leaders are not doing a good job. Or with Twitter, you have people who are employees, but at the same time now they have the power of social media coming out and saying he's a horrible boss. So he, you, you know, some other person saying that he's taken away the team that monitors morality or um, child-sensitive content. So there's so much noise um, for him as a leader, but also yeah. there's so much opportunity for the workers, the worker bees, to you know, lash out at the leader. Or for instance, I just got to give another example. When Dave Chappelle put out a special on Netflix, the employees walked out saying it's transphobic. Now, Mm. I'm just giving that as an example because you can easily, uh, or I heard someone, uh, some news article where there was a a senior management person who said inappropriate words, quoting someone special and Netflix got him fired because the employee said we want him fired. So Mm. it's almost like the power is there with social media in the voices of the workers which would earlier be in the labor unions or whatever the examples were back in the day but in the industrial times now it's changing so how does a leader uh, say if you had to put on an elon musk kind of mm-hmm. virtual avatar for the next three four minutes <laughs> how would you i don't want to put you in the corner but how would you navigate this so seemingly treacherous slope
1: yeah, so I think you're absolutely right that the fact that social media is on the rise and you know it's there and is not going to disappear mm. is putting managers, especially when they decide tough things, yeah, uh, unpopular things, is putting them really on the spot. Sometimes unfairly, mm-hmm. um, you know, with what Elon Musk did, I'm. You know, the media is always black and white because black and white sells good. So yeah. the media, they want to sell. This is this is part of how the media is functioning. But if you try to look into the shades of gray <laughs> that are there, <laughs> and if you realize that, well, what Elon Musk also said is that Twitter was losing, I think like $4 million a day. Mm. Um, Elon Musk took over a company that was bleeding cash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not a, you know, really nice situation and a situation where you can only face two options. Either you take the necessary steps to try and save the company or you let it go bankrupt, in which case everyone loses their job. Yeah. So obviously he's being butchered for someone else's mistakes. That's Mm. the first thing that, you know, from an outsider, you see... Yeah, you know, if you come into a company and the company is losing four million dollars a day, someone has made terrible mistakes.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and that's not that was not Elon Musk. Let's mm. be honest. Mm. Um, and you've seen, I think there was similar talk with IBM in the '90s when they were almost bankrupt uh, with GE, and you know usually bigger companies get the media coverage where. Decisions like this, you know, I'm going to fire 50% of the stuff or X percent of the stuff. Amazon, you know, decided to, to fire, I think it was the other day in, in the media, mm. uh, fire, I think, 10,000 people or something like that. Mm. Um, these decisions, of course, are not popular. And in, this, in a world where you have social media, you have to make it very clear. Why you're doing these decisions? Because it's not, you know, no, no manager fires people just for the sake of firing. Yeah, Um, you know, and usually the people I know in management, Mm. before they fire someone, they have a tough time because you're facing someone really eye to eye. Yeah, and you have to tell them, you know, it's over, and you Mm. know up front this is hurting so you're really hurting someone and you have to put a lot of effort into this thing to try to make it as decent as possible yeah. you know you can't take the hurt away let's be honest yeah and you know maybe i don't know the insides of twitter maybe elon musk could have put more of this you know effort into making the decision more transparent, why he has to cut 50% of the staff. Mm. Um, I Personally, I don't think that mass media <laughs> would have given a damn.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it that sounds like anyway. <laughs> he, he was condemned anyway. Yeah. yeah. No, because as a leader, do you, as, I mean, I, I'm sorry to use the word again and again, but I in someone in his position, he's doing something that he sees that he needs to do, as you said, bleeding 4 million. He's put 44 billion of his own investment in it. And it's mm-hmm. just the smart thing to do. Like, I'm not gonna lose. I mean, if you told me, dude, you're gonna lose 4 million a day. That's in if you let this go for a year, it's a lot of money. I'm like, no, I don't have any business yeah. sense, but get everyone out, like plug the hole, <laughs> you know, stop the sinking ship. Yeah. And that, um, But we seem to obviously, you know, go out and very flippantly condemn people or revere mm-hmm. people. Um, be it in, you know, oh, my God, I want to be the next Elon Musk. But clearly in these situations, you don't want to be Elon Musk because no one <laughs> to have made him the demon number one. Um, yeah. But say we're sitting a year from now and you and I are doing this chat again and he's just made it what he wants it to be, a town hall which has all sides of the argument. It's got black, it's white, it's got gray, it's got everything that a platform for discourse needs to have. Mm. And he's taken it around from 44 billion, which he bought it out for, for now it's worth 100 billion. Mm. And that's when everyone's gonna be like, oh, no, no, You're at that point, it, <laughs> it's always the case, right? When someone puts themselves out on a limb and then makes what changes they see, because obviously they've got a different vision than you or I or the hundred other okay. thousand people who are bitching about this or even the employees but so i think maybe a question is how do you prepare for that because earlier yeah you could go sit lock yourself up in a cabin make the decisions and you could call up and say okay fire close the factory lock it out no one can come like i think somewhere in mississippi or somewhere in- I forget, in Tennessee or somewhere, uh, this furniture company just sent a text message the Saturday night or Sunday night before work saying you're all fired. Uh, You can't come to the factory to collect your belongings. That's it. So that's like a breakup over the phone versus a breakup in person. But with social media where you are constantly bombarded by this, and yeah, you can say, I don't have the apps, but how do you kind of keep yourself sane and not just, you know, jump off a cliff?
1: So two aspects to, to 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 answer this question. The first one is there are communication consultants out there that can advise, that are good and that can advise on how to proceed, you know, with your plan, mm. stick to your plan, but communicate better. Yeah. Um, as I said, I don't think mass media, even if Elon Musk would have done that, I don't think mass media would have painted a nicer picture of him. They wouldn't. Mm um because that doesn't sell yeah and I remember in the early days uh Tesla there were some waves where he fired people because things weren't going as he wanted them to go and there was also a big rumor in in media that oh my god this guy is not you know he's not a good manager he's awful and so on and so forth and look at where Tesla is now so (laughs) Yeah. yeah it's always easy to criticize from the outside Mm. Um, I think what is very important, you know, if you're a, a manager and if you're in a position where you're being criticized, and let's be honest, the higher up you are, the more alone you are. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the more critics you'll have. Um, what's, what's crucially important is that you are a mature person and that you have your own North Pole, you know, mm. and you know that the road you're on is is right, right for you, right for whatever mm, reasoning there was to make a certain decision that's being criticized. Um, And sometimes, you know, we all make mistakes. And then, you know, coming out and saying, "Pooh, I've made a mistake, you know, I screwed up, I'm sorry. And this is what I'm going to do to correct the mistake. You know, really own, own it. It starts with with a hiring mistake because yeah, it's yeah. easy to, honestly, the, the easiest way to cover up a hiring mistake is just keep that person. Yeah. So you know they don't deliver. You know
0: they're not what you want. And does that Pushing seem that's where we are heading because you don't want to upset people because, uh, you know, I, from, from other conversations on the show, I've I've spoken to people who are mental health experts or people who are, working in this field in supporting roles in either assisting businesses or schools or uh, various systems that feed the workers or the leaders into the corporate world or into the world of business is that because you have so many avenues to complain and find people on those platforms who can you know, it's, as you said, it's so easy to criticize from the outside, but it's also so easy just to agree on with someone without, uh, or to keep someone who's not productive, because, you know, the, 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 the the alternative isn't pretty, right? Like, even online, it's easy to say, oh, you're the best, as opposed to going to that person and saying, can we work on improving your self-reflection, even maybe. So, what I'm trying to understand is this, this world where everyone's shouting saying i'm injured mm. i'm the victim in this situation i got fired because i deserve better or if you can't get there then you're like oh he's, ho- he's a horrible person and then bring him down through some traits of his or hers which you don't even know about um which is across the, the noise i'm just talking about with pointing fingers the blame game then the victim game Wh- what um is are most companies just keeping people because it's easier than saying you know what the reality is that you're really bad at your job take that either in positive way where you can improve or leave it right which is not polite it's not the most thing but i'm just saying rejection either makes you stronger or it makes you find other other avenues right
1: a lot of managers are doing that because like i said it's it's the easy way and unfortunately, it's the easy way in the short term. Of course, in the long term, it's not the easy way because if you end up with, with a bunch of people in your team <laughs> who are yeah. all, uh, let's not make it black and white, let's make it gray, who are not as productive as they should be. Yeah, And you have a tough boss who's very demanding, you're not going to make the results. And ultimately, this thing is going to come and bite you in the rear. But in the short term, of course, it's easier. Yeah. And I think part of the part of the the reason why people still, you know, do that, are being nice. Um is because it's human nature. It's we very often we tend to take the easy way. Um and the other thing is that we don't really learn these things. I mean, unfortunately at at uni there is no course about firing people
0: mm-hmm. which
1: let's be honest this is this is the reality this is yeah. one of the issues every good manager will come across eventually yeah <clears throat> why aren't
0: we teaching it <laughs> yeah so why why aren't we teaching it because it clearly think- can set you apart uh, make you a more more efficient manager uh, um, person who can handle a team to bring out its best but also it can make you more of a uh, leader that connects with his or her team right so there's both sides to it
1: absolutely and i think it be, before you're able to do something like this it's a lot of reflection you have to reflect on how you are how you come across if you know what you're asking is Fair? Uh, have you formulated whatever you're expecting of that person in a way where that person clearly understood what you want from them? Mm. You know don't just suppose that everybody understands what you're demanding. Mm. And that's why I said I think it's it's absolutely mandatory when you when you hire someone or when you come to a new team is that you sit down with the people and make something like a milestone plan. Mm. And make sure you meet them eye to eye and make sure that we're on the same page. We understood. We understood what is asked of us. You know, I understood when I'm supposed to deliver it. And I agree that it's fair. Because let's be honest, if you ask things of people that are unfair, you're not going to get them. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, and you know, there's something very interesting I heard recently. So we I have a, uh, I was telling you before we recorded about the blind golf and it's, you know, in collaboration or rather it's their initiative by uh, an NGO in India called Enable India. And they're doing a lot of great work when it comes to creating employment for people with disabilities, right? And the reason I mentioned them is I was talking to the founder and I said, isn't it So easy to kind of slide down the charitable route when it comes to disability, right? When a company Mm -hmm. would say, "Oh no, we'll take you know five people because our CSR initiatives are fulfilled. We'll just Mm -hmm. put them somewhere in a job which is not visible." And at the same time, we feel good. We can pat ourselves on the back as leaders, saying, "Hey, you know what? We did the right thing. We did the nice thing." But that doesn't. um, And he said, "No, that's that doesn't serve the purpose at all because that." like you said, in the short run, it's, it's cozy, right? It's nice, but it doesn't give a population a sense of belonging or a sense of identity or rather a sense of dignity. What does is the harder route, which is creating a case for hiring a person with whatever disability he or she might have, because it's going to contribute to your company, which takes a lot longer and as you just said it takes a lot more planning it takes a lot more details because you have to communicate clearly to the company that this is what they can bring or she can do well and what is your need and i find that fascinating because it seems like a lot of it comes from you know what i don't want to put in the hard work as a leader or as an employee and the ambiguity creates this entire sort of noise where we're all stuck in right Yeah, this
1: is what I was saying that you need maturity if you if you're a manager because honestly, if you hire, let, let's say, take your example, disability uh, people with disabilities, just to hire them, you've just ticked some boxes. You haven't yeah. done the right thing. You yeah. ticked some boxes, so you've done what you know maybe some law expects you to do, but you've done the right thing when you put these people in a job, you know, where where they can flourish, where yeah. they can truly. Uh, make a difference and why wouldn't they you just need to put some effort into it and yeah that's the difference you know this is maturity because if you're a mature person you realize you know you're hiring a human being for god's sakes it's not a you know, book you put on a shelf you're hiring a human being and you're responsible for this human being and you're responsible that this human being you know has the opportunity to flourish in that job to
0: to have some meaning. You know, I mean, there was that idea that some, you know, my my dad uh, ran his own um, factory, right, which was in the manufacturing fabrication space. And he, as you just said, like sometimes talks about, oh, you know, I was not the most successful entrepreneur. And I was like, by maybe, you know, comparing himself to company or factories that grew. But I want to talk about another angle, which is the loyalty or the goodwill to the people he had working for him and that's something you saw in the past right people staying with companies for 40 years 50 years uh, and kind of starting their career and ending retiring at the same place Mm -hmm. because of the bond the employees had for the company and for the leadership and vice versa Um, why are we seeing or when did this shift happen where people would leave a job because they've got a 20 percent increase in the next job or a more fancy title in the next job and when did or why does the loyalty to a certain or or rather why did that shift happen where did the loyalty go Uh, and why was the loyalty there in the first place
1: it's a it's a very good question and the easy answer but i don't think it's the correct one is you know there's a change in generation and people today i want it all i want it now Mm. so Oh, I get twenty percent more in the other company I'm gone um and i'm there there is this part of the population who acts like that, and the poorer the country, the more understandable it is that people act like that because yeah. they're in need um so. I'm not really sure that this is the right answer in terms of that society has changed and that we're, loyalty has gone away because, honestly, I, I still see loyalty around me. Mm. Um, and I'm not so sure that 50 years ago there was so much loyalty, so much more loyalty <laughs> than we have now. Yeah, I yeah. think part of the the issue today is that things are being transparent. So mm. you have to think of the fact that a lot of things that happened 50 years ago, we didn't hear about them because there was no social media. <laughs> mm-hmm. So a lot of you know, it was just under the carpet. Mm. You, you know, know think was... of the Middle Ages; people yeah. were fighting. <laughs> I'm not sure they were so loyal <laughs> way back then. Or so of course, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, and that's exactly uh, the 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 thing that we are led to believe that. Uh, a world which is uh, well-informed is a world that's wrong. But of course, you know, you never heard about, you know, the front lines who are facing, you know, a row full of uh, lancers going, you really, you you feel allegiance to the king? (laughs) I'm I'm shitting my load, but I'd rather not be here. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I, because that's that's the thing, right? Like, I don't think... um, And the reason I ask that is because do they like the person? Because I I don't know if all of the people liked working on the factory floor, putting those bolts in place and sometimes jamming their fingers and, you know, working pretty painful jobs at times and shift maybe. Uh, So I'm just trying to understand whether it's the transparency. That's That's a nice thing that you mentioned. But... We hear of people who are like, you know, I think of the ideology, especially when it comes to the Gen Z's and the Millennials, that the idea and the ideology of saving the planet or sustainable energy, and these are very nice things, and they seem to be saying the right things. Um, And I recently did a conference, I gave a talk at a conference a couple of weeks back as um, someone who they wanted me to talk about my experience in stand-up comedy, and especially with the idea of failure. So it's got me thinking Mm -hmm. in this space. Mm -hmm. And um, is there a disconnect between ideology and reality when it comes to people going to university, taking the courses and coming to work and realizing that there's absolutely no, um, there's nothing that they learned that can be applied? And is that where sometimes there's lack of loyalty or there's this need to just keep going after the money? Um, From your experience, have you seen some of that? I, I don't know if it's even an accurate question.
1: I think ideology is always only look at a part of the reality. And I can give you a very clear example of we have a uh, um, minister of the economic affairs who's from the the Green Party, which are the ecologists. Uh-huh. And he just signed a deal with Qatar where they we would get LNG gas, which is going to be shipped with a ship all over <laughs> the world and then brought to germany because the reasoning being we don't want gas from from the russians right because there's a pipeline there yeah uh, from an ecological point of view it's total nonsense it's total yeah. bullshit. i mean those one day of gas through the pipeline is not even one ship so you need Whoa. like 365 ships a year that are going around the world you know, burning the fossil fuels <laughs> it's nonsense from yeah. a moral point of view saying oh i've got putin who's a dictator and now is qatar really a democracy well <laughs> no <Yeah. laughs> so you, you know, what's the lng made of hopes and dreams i don't think so <laughs> but it's the whole thing is an I- ideology
0: yeah so it looks good on a Facebook post. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> full stop. It ends there. Uh, Hashtag right there's thing. That's yeah. something more that I uh, they came to my mind because you said, you know, people who are not staying with a company for their lives. I think what is a fact is that the rate, the pace of change, has definitely increased over the last fifty years. Mm-hmm. It has increased substantially. And I think that this also affects, has to affect the change of companies. So things, I think 50 years ago, you started working and 30 years later, the nature of your job was pretty much the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is impossible today. Mm. So in today's changing environment where everything changes so fast, of course, especially driven by IT technology. Yeah. Um, your job will never stay the same. Yeah. So maybe because of this people end up after two, three, four, five, ten 10 years thinking, wow, I'm in this place. Now when I started, it was so nice. And it was exactly what I wanted. But now it's changed so much. It's not me anymore. It's not who I am.
0: Yeah. That's true. I mm-hmm. think it's such a fast thing. Like, if you say I signed up for um, a job that involved coding for smartphone technology, uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly speaking, from nineteen ninety six to now, the entire yeah. landscape of phones has changed. So, if you were sitting there going, "Oh, I still want to make that Nokia 3310, you are like, "For whom?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense in that perspective because you know. But I meet a lot of people who work right. Um, and they just sort of, you know, they, they, they work at good companies, they make a lot of money. And that seems to be their driving force, which is, of course, not, not me, not my place to criticize or not. I, why would I even criticize? But why would, as a leader, when that's the only motivation, uh, or as a CEO, or as a manager, and how do you... Because there's no ideology there in many cases, right? The role is not something that would change the the outcome of society or shape even it could be a supporting role yeah. and it's not a bad role it's just a role that they do um no and some and the person comes and says you know what i'm not going to motivate you with money but i'm going to empower you with with things that will make you a more fulfilled person um and the employee's like screw that i want i want a bonus <laughs> you know? so how do you recognize the things to motivate a person by And can it be non-monetary at times it's simple
1: but it's not easy (laughs) so (laughs) it's simple because you just need to talk to the people Mm. um you know we try to have feedbacks every three months Mm -hmm. which are not these formal paper pushing things uh but they just entice so so they're made of two things here's what i like about what you did And here's what I think you can do better. And it's vice versa. So the employer, employee has to give feedback too. Mm. Um, And this is the opportunity to say, hey, look, I'm not so satisfied with my salary because I did this and this and that. And so um, can we do something more? Actually, Mm. it would be the role of the manager to say, I've seen you've done this and this and that. And I think uh, you're in a bonus. now." True. What you said is some people like money. Some people would like to have more flexibility, let's say more home office or not strict working hours. Mm. Um, so they're motivated by different things depending on their characteristics as a person and maybe where they are in life. Yeah. Yeah and you know it's the job of the employee to voice that and it's the job of the manager to ask and hear that voice and then hopefully reach um common understanding but speaking of motivation i don't agree that it's a manager job manager's job to motivate people you know like a cheerleader (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah 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 i think it's the manager's job to to hire people who have intrinsic motivation who truly want to do a job, Mm. because there's no way you can, you know, motivate someone daily. Hey, hello, how are you? Chaka, Mm. you know, let's go, let's go, let's go. You can't do that. Yeah. You know, and salary, salary has to be fair and has to be the, if the remuneration you offer isn't perceived as being fair by your employee, There's a huge part missing because let's be honest, yeah, we all want to make the world better and so on and so forth. But if I don't have enough money to pay the rent or, you know,
0: the cost of living, then (laughs) I have a huge problem. Right. And we saw that, right? A lot of times uh, repeatedly sort of occurring during the pandemic lockdown. A lot of people Mm. like, yeah, okay, it's good. We're working at home now. But also people losing their jobs. Like right now, as you said, from then to now, uh, stuff that we didn't feel in the lockdown. Of course, everyone's like, oh, I'm working from home. It's online. And they they said the new normal, all these words. Um, Now we're feeling the impact of that because every company is sort of letting go of a lot of people. Yeah. And that clearly in some way is a reflection of growth and, you know, the the, the whole... um, Recession that they've been predicting or forecasting over the past couple of years. So where does where does it go from here? Like where uh, with this fast paced change with with technology and the nature of work itself changing, um, where do you kind of uh, see this in the next five years with with AI coming in? People fearful of jobs or certain jobs being replaced by robots or artificial intelligence. What can you kind of paint a picture? I mean, I don't ask you too much with specifics, but just a general broad brushstroke image of where we might be as a society or um, maybe even as a world organization.
1: (laughs) Well, well, first of all, looking at um, home office, I think that uh, the pandemic has shown that the ideal model is one of a hybrid uh, work where you're, Partially in home office, where you can you have the uh, the silence to do stuff that you have to do on your own, where you need to think, where you need to concentrate. This this is ideal, uh, but then only home office home office is not good because you, you lack the interaction. And every time you need to discuss something with a team, uh, you know, get five people in a Zoom meeting and it's impossible because yeah. everybody's talking at the same time. So you lack a lot of human interaction. So I'm sure that the, the model that's um, going to be implemented long-term is, is a hybrid model. Mm-hmm. The AI stuff is a bit like everything, every change we've seen in the IT technology from, you know, personal computers, from the internet, from smartphones. AI is going to change the nature of jobs in terms that, there are certain tasks that are going to be done by a machine, but this mm-hmm. won't happen overnight. So, you know, it's not like uh, all of a sudden 3 million people are unemployed. Yeah. It's going to happen gradually. And like in the past, you know, successful companies have transitioned. And this is what I'm saying. You know, the job is not going to stay the same in 10 years mm-hmm. from now. Yeah. They have transitioned. So the nature of the job changes. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that you need less people. Um, you just need people to do other things, probably more intelligent things. Um, cause the AI, you know, there are two types of AI. One is that an a, and that just follows rules. So yeah. if then, and the advanced AI is one that recognizes patterns and defines meaningful rules mm. and you know, what's meaningful um but creativity for instance is nothing a machine can do yeah or they can do it but very poorly Mm. so there's still a lot of really good tasks that will not go over to a computer so i i'm not a fan of this um horror scenario where everything is going to be done by machines and you know people are just going to hang around and do nothing Mm. (laughs) i don't think that (laughs) I think the nature of the jobs is going to change, but it's going to change
0: gradually. So like nice. everything we've
1: seen until now too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we kind of forget, right? Sometimes I'm sitting here asking you this, and I'm like, if you look back to when, like when I was in in school or even university in 2003, 2004, my phone was like a button push phone, and I couldn't, yep. um, until I got like a certified software called, called JAWS, I couldn't access emails and read it out, mm. uh, get it read out to me, so I would have books on tape. But to now I literally, you know, that's where AI is. I use City to dictate a message or I have voiceover on my thing and I'm able to talk to you from across the world. And yeah, it's not taking away, in fact, it makes me, it gives me more time or gives me more of breathing room, if you want to call it, to kind of work on what I like to do. And I think that's an example, I think, which I, sh- you know, you kind of don't look at yourself sometimes. You're like, oh, but isn't the world going to head to a dangerous place? And <laughs> I just sounded like a robot there. Sorry about that. But um it's amazing that, you know, that you sometimes have to look at yourself or even maybe not look at certain things to kind of cope with change and also kind of plan for a future which you might not have an entire idea about, right?
1: Yeah, and I think the the really hardcore, the core of the problem is the, the fact that change is happening at an increased speed. Mm. Um, we totally forgot to mention that technology actually also creates new jobs. Yeah, because um, you know, think about YouTube. Think about you know all those influencers and all the businesses that are using online as a medium to to create business to yeah. to generate revenue. Um, in the '90s, it would have been impossible. Yeah. So you know how could you from across the world sell to anybody else? You know, far far
0: away it would have been a
1: nightmare.
0: You know. yeah i mean even this conversation right if i had to find you and then bring you over to bangalore and then do this recording we would be yeah. using a lot of resources i mean not just yeah. financial i'm talking about even impact on the planet and uh, environmental impact and and just i mean i would have like come to germany and then I, you know it's, <laughs> it's 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 quite fascinating yeah. that it's literally become a one-hour process if we you know connect and communicate and find uh that we're on the same plane. It's quite fascinating. So some things are good,
1: some things are not so good. But you know, this is how it is in life, unfortunately. <laughs> um, right. Things changed and yeah, as human beings we have to try and and deal with it. Um sometimes you can't prevent things from changing and we try to fight it. Mm. Um and we're fighting a losing battle. <laughs>
0: No, and what I find with your with your uh, approach to it is that you said you moved uh, to Germany from Bucharest, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. and you have this journey of dealing with bad bosses, but you decided to do something about it. So maybe could you, um, you know, before we wind up, just sort of let's can we cover that aspect of your life and how you got to where you are today? So
1: basically, what drove me to become a boss was the fact that i had a, a couple of bad bosses where i thought that really i can do it better hmm. um, and so when in my first role as a uh, as a team lead what i did was to look at other managers and see what I can learn from them and um yeah I'm just gonna drop some names that was Jack Welch was somebody who impressed me and I I read his book winning mm. which I strongly recommend to every manager uh-huh. it's really something a bit of a Bible for managers right um Lou Gerstner who really saved IBM was very very similar in, in management style to Jack Welch.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then something totally different, Eric Schmidt, who mm-hmm. came to Google to work for the two owners. Um, right.
0: He was the, CEO. the CEO, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: He, he turned, let's say, little Google into the giant they are. Mm. Um, and then stepped back. And now Larry Page is leading the company, I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> um but Eric Schmidt's um management style, especially at Google, who are a very um a very different company with a very different management style and, and very different philosophies. Mm. Um to me it was very refreshing to see this, you know. I've been fifteen years with IBM, which is you know more of a corporate uh company <laughs> yeah yeah pretty dynamic for a giant but still a huge organization and seeing you know how eric schmidt with his background i think um from sun it's also from from a big corporate uh background uh, came to google and then basically changed the way he was managing totally uh with these weird concepts they had and i i really learned a lot from that i from you know doing those jack welch courses and and then implementing the stuff that i thought i learned Mm. (laughs) in my daily business and this is unfortunately a lot of what a manager has to do on a daily basis is not being taught so (laughs) it's like you're a doctor, you're in the OR. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, now go ahead. Well, I've never done it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So a, a lot depends on you You're know, figuring things out, trying things out, and then actually getting better. And I'm far from being perfect. <laughs> so yeah. there's a
0: lot of room to grow. No, but isn't that something that even. Um... All of us, whether we're in a role which is to, to work or to think is if you recognize that, then you kind of don't take yourself too seriously and also don't think too much of what you already know, right? Which is important. Yeah, I think it goes back to, to the
1: maturity that I mentioned. Um, I think there are, the truth is there are many people who are fine where they are. Yeah. And how they are, and who do not want to improve, and they don't see the necessity to improve. Mm. And you know, it's fine; it's their life. I mean, who am I to dictate what's right and wrong?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I think that's 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 really fair because you know, it takes all to make this world spin, and there's some people, and many people, in fact, who are just uh, uh, content with. a certain thing, and I think that's something which should be encouraged as well. It's like because everyone becomes a CEO, then who's going to work, right? <laughs> it's not like CEOs don't work, <laughs> right? No, what I mean is do the other jobs as well. Like yeah, if yeah, everyone's giving orders and delegating, then there needs to be someone doing the the the, the, the other work. Yeah. yeah. Ah, fantastic. So, uh, Axel, if people are interested in getting in touch with you, uh, where would you want to direct them, and if uh, there's any resource you'd like to point them towards? um that would be appreciated well linkedin i think is a good place to get in touch uh
1: probably linkedin is going to be around since they're a part of microsoft uh they're going to be around for a decade at least yeah <laughs> uh, in the very changing software business uh linkedin is a good place and um there's this video of mine on youtube tedx talk called the perfect boss mm-hmm. um, gives a good um i think a good summary on in 15 minutes, what does it take to be a good boss?
0: Awesome. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing your story and your perspective on leading and working and the whole landscape of where we are and where we might be in a few years. So thank you for your time, Axel. I really appreciate you being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Thank
0: you.